I'd like to welcome you guys in to another episode. This is episode number three of Not Too Preachy, where you can be inspired and informed, comforted and convicted all from the word of God, just not too preachy. My name is Jason Brown. My friends know me as JB. My family knows me as JB. I am your host and I say host because we are preparing to start bringing interviews in. Uh, after this series that we're working on right now, uh, we're going to have some uh, some great personalities, some that I love, some that you may know and be familiar with, some that I'll introduce you to. Um, uh, but we're going to start doing some interviews and some other cool things. Let's jump right on in. I have a couple of birthday shout outs uh, to give to my brother and my friend, uh, Reverend Damon Wilkins. Happy birthday to you. My daughter, my production assistant is clapping. Um, uh, my good friend, Jonique Brooks Burden, she's from New Orleans to Indianapolis, I'm sorry, from New Orleans to Tennessee to Houston to Indianapolis, and now she's in California. Happy birthday, that's coming up to you. Uh, to my frat brother and chapter brother, Donovan Jackson, happy early birthday to you. To my old friend and, a, and old neighbor, Chris Stevens, happy birthday to you. And to, uh, I will call her my sister-in-law because we're like brothers, Randolph Chestang, your wife, Lori, is celebrating a birthday this weekend. So happy birthday. And I miss you. If I missed your birthday that's coming up, uh, charge it to my head and not my heart. Uh, but just wanted to give a shout out to those few people uh, that if the Lord wills, you'll celebrate a birthday or you're celebrating a birthday today. Uh, shout outs to some people that are important right now. Hairstylists and barbers. I want to give a shout out to you guys. I know some of you guys may be having a tough time, but we now value you more than ever. I used to cut my hair in college uh, to make my little, uh, you know, my little play money, but I'm not as good as I used to be. I never could get that tape of fade quite right, so I depended on my friends to do it. But my barber rod, man, is A1, and man, I miss you. And I know a lot of us are out there missing our barbers and our hairstylists. That is so important. But we found out how important they are right now. Um, and we are lifting you up in prayer as we uh, try and get through this pandemic where people are losing money and funds. Um, I want to make sure that uh, the barbers and hairstylists prepare for the flood that's going to come. Because as soon as uh, this quarantine or lockdown or stay home is over uh, barbershops and beauty salons and nail shops and we urologists and the people that do those eyebrows that look like church fans all of those people are going to be flooded uh, with business um, so hopefully you are preparing your 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 uh, your pots for the oil that's going to come your way um, shout out to all of the doctors I believe yesterday uh, was annual doctor's day I think I saw that a little bit on social media so all my doctor uh, friends that are out there on the front line that are uh, serving people uh, with not only uh, COVID-19, but with all other different ailments and trying to continue to do your job, whether it's virtual or face-to-face. -face. want to say a big shout out to you and thank you for what you do. Um, big shout out to all of uh, the preachers across the country and around the world that are uh, having to make adjustments to minister your, to your congregation. Many of you know that pastoring and preaching is more than just about preaching, but visiting the sick and uh, burying the dead and comforting those who are dealing uh, with grief and all of those things that come with uh, serving a congregation. A uh, shout out to you guys that are fighting to make adjustments, uh, particularly one of my friends that I've been talking back and forth with a little bit today, uh, Jakari Davis, who's a fine young pastor here in the city of Houston uh, who likes to throw shade at educators. But 
Um, it's both good and bad. It's a gift and a curse that uh, the Governor Abbott said, yo, see you in May. Uh, so um, there's that. Um, another special shout out. Um, my, 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 one of my best friends, um, Dre and Rhonda, for always being around and always being supportive. But Rhonda gave a good testimony that one of her friends is on the road to recovery. And so um, you guys that are out there watching this or that, you, that will watch this or will listen to this on the podcast, let's continue lifting uh, that person up in prayer, in prayer in the Dallas area, but also all of those who are uh, dealing with um, coronavirus and its effects and uh, the, 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 the people that you may know somebody who knows somebody who may know somebody who's affected. Uh, please, a special prayer for my cousin Brent James. Uh, make sure you lift him and his congregation up here in the city of Houston. Y'all know what it is. I'm vexed. I am vexed. I am vexed. I am vexed. Let me paint the picture real briefly. In a eating area with other people, maybe a potluck or something like that. It could be at church, at work, um, at your friend's house or something like that. And everybody brings their dishes. Uh, some good, you know, the common question comes around like, uh, yo, who, who, um, who made a potato salad? Or something like that. Make sure Karen didn't put no raisins in the potato salad or something, you know, whatever. Um, those kinds of things. Uh, who, don't, who, who put all the sauce on the meat? You're trying to hide your meat. Did you smoke your meat right? Did you season it right? You put all your sauce on your meat. Whatever. Those kinds of things. But that's not the thing that vexes me. Not who made the potato salad or uh, did you wash the sink before you washed the greens or uh, are you pouring a whole lot of sauce on your meat because you didn't uh, season your meat properly. What vexes me are the way people set up their eating utensils. So typically, when you have a large eating or gathering, potluck or something like that, the host will use disposable utensils, you know, plastic forks and plastic knives and plastic spoons, right? You get me, barbecue style, everybody's hanging out very informal. But I've been in places, I'm not gonna say where because I know who may be watching this or who may watch this, so I don't wanna point you out. But I've been in places where they put the utensils in cups. No big deal. Put them in cups. That's fine. So everybody can grab the utensil and go. Here's what has me vexed is when you put those utensils forks up or spoons up or knives up. Right, baby? I, I, this is what happens when you do that, people. Invariably, you're going to touch more than one utensil, right? Because your hands are not, you're not that precise. Don't, uh, my hands shake sometimes, so I'm not that precise. So I know when I reach in for a utensil, I'll probably touch two or three forks or two or three spoons or two or three knives. I know I've done it. But check this out. This is what happens. When you have them forks up or spoons up or knives up, then you end up touching the part that people use. And that vexes me to no end because I just, I want to be a gentleman, so I always want women to go first. That's just me. That's how I am. If that offends you, then, you know, whatever. But I try to be a gentleman. I'm raising my son to be a gentleman. And, but it, I don't know if you washed your hands. And this is before coronavirus. This is before that Rona. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you've washed your hands. I don't, and I don't know how many spoons you touched before I could get to uh, Miss Martin's banana pudding. 
I want some of it, but I don't know if I want to use the spoon, so I have to go somewhere and I'll bring my own utensils because I'm just not sure about everybody in the room, and I don't think it's right. So this is the way you ought to do it from here on out. You heard it from JB if you've never heard it before. Take your disposable utensils that you put in the cup for the potluck or for the family dinner and put the forks down at least. Put the spoons down. Put the knives down. And so we can touch the end that we're not actually going to put in our mouth. Is that okay? Is that too much to ask? Because if we do that, then I'll get to your place and I won't be vexed. And I can see it right now. I can see George Andre Merchant saying, I'm going to do that intentionally when Jason comes to Dallas just to vex his spirit. And I rebuke you in the name of forks up because I want forks down, Dre. You got that? <laughs> then I can get over being vexed. I'm, I'm fine. I got that out of my system. I've been holding that for about eight semesters, y'all. That's, that's a tough one to deal with. I want to get into the word. And so if you saw the announcement uh, last week, as we got ready for uh, this week, uh, we are moving into a series. I want to say maybe about a four part series where we're going to go to and through the resurrection. So we'll deal with some events uh, up to the cross and then uh, an event or two after the resurrection. So it's going to be about four because we're now uh, we're, we've been in the Lenten season and we're approaching Resurrection Sunday and we know that Resurrection Sunday because of the quarantine and all of those things that our government, local, state, national government are asking us to do that we may not be able to celebrate uh, in a fashion that we're used to. But um, I, I want to deal with that because there are some things in there that are so special about what Jesus did. But there are also some lessons that we can learn. So understand this, that everything that we're going to talk about over the next uh, several weeks is going to be a very Jesus centered, but uh, I do want to pull out some lessons that that I consider applicable for life. Uh, I, I hesitate to uh, do a lot of uh, pulling out of those lessons from these particular teachings because I don't want to over allegorize uh, the scripture because the scripture in and of itself, the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is so beautiful in and of itself. I don't want to over allegorize, but I do want to pull out some things that we should notice. Um, about this particular um, uh, story in Christian history. And so I'm not going to point at any one scripture, but we're going to talk about the triumphal entrance of Jesus, how he went into Jerusalem. Uh, we're coming up on this particular day that uh, Christians celebrate Palm Sunday on this Sunday. That's what's on the calendar, Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is a week before we celebrate resurrection. And so you'll find Palm Sunday in all four of the Gospels, both Matthew, uh, all Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And so if you're taking notes or you just want to reference uh, Matthew, you'll find it in chapter 21. In the book of Mark, you'll find it in chapter 11. The book of Luke, you'll find it in chapter 19. And in the book of John, you'll find it in chapter 12. And each one of them have a few nuances that I just want to pull out that I think are just fantastic. And I think it would do us some good to take a look at it. Again, the triumphal entrance of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem on the first day of the week. And so what we have here, let me give you a little bit of the setting, is that on the first day of the week, this, this week is when they begin to celebrate uh, the Passover. And so what you have are a ton of people that are in and near Jerusalem all around, uh, uh, Jews, Hebrews in particular, to celebrate uh, the Passover. The, the Passover celebration is a historical marker for Hebrews because it is the time that they celebrate uh, the Lord God liberating them uh, from Egyptian bondage under the hand of Pharaoh. And so you have Jesus with his disciples coming in to celebrate this feast. 
And right outside of the city near the Mount of Olives, uh, you'll read a couple of the Gospels. They'll say Bethpage and Bethany. Uh, Jesus instructs his disciples to go into a neighboring village. And in that village, they're going to find a colt tied up. What Jesus wants his disciples to do is go in and untie the colt, loose him, and bring him to Jesus because Jesus is going to use that colt to ride into the city. Now, the disciples say, well, what if somebody asks us about this coat? You want us to go in and just take this coat without permission, but what if somebody asks us about this coat? And Jesus tells them, simply say to them that the Lord has need of it and you shouldn't have any problems. And so they did exactly what Jesus said and exactly what Jesus said happened. So when somebody asked about it, they replied, the Lord has need of it. said, oh, okay, cool, go ahead, take the coat. He hasn't been used before. He's tied up, uh, but he can be used by you. And so they brought the coat to Jesus. And when they brought the coat to Jesus, they, the disciples, along with other people, began to lay their coats on this coat. And then Jesus mounts the coat and begins to ride into the city. And while he's riding into the city, people start throwing their coats on the road and waving branches. They cut off branches from trees. Uh, and if you look in John's gospel, it will say palm branches. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't say palm, but John says palm, thus you get the word Palm Sunday. But Jesus riding into the city, on a, a cult uh, with them waving palm branches is a fulfillment of prophecy. Now you'll find this prophecy in the book of Zechariah. That's an Old Testament prophet, a minor prophet in chapter nine, verse nine. Uh, if you want to take a look for reference to find that prophecy. And as they entered into the city, the multitude began to make a lot of noise, make a lot of noise and get really excited. And they started shouting things specifically. This is what they shouted, Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now they're saying that because Hosanna means save now, save now. And they're hoping that Jesus is coming in, riding as a conquering king to come and establish a new kingdom under his rule. Since he is from uh, the tribe of Judah under the Davidic covenant, he will come in and establish his kingdom on earth uh, now. And even though he is king and he's, coming in to establish a kingdom is not quite like they think it's going to be. And as a matter of fact, he is actually going in to save, but he's not going to save like they think he's going to save. What they're quoting, though, uh, for another reference scripture is Psalm number 118, verses 25 and 26. And so all of this multitude is there saying, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. They're cheering and they're praising and giving adoration and asking for benevolence. Come and save now. Treat us kindly. Uh, do right by us. Uh, blessed is he. Blessed are you because you come in the name of the Lord. Now, this is where one of the nuances that I, that I love. Here is one nuance. One nuance was the palm branch. The other nuance that I like is when you find in the record, according to Luke, Luke says this. I got to take a sip of water. Give me a second because this part excites me. Luke says this, that while the people were shouting, the Pharisee says, Jesus, tell your disciples and these people to stop all this shouting. Stop all this noise. Stop shouting Hosanna. Stop quoting the, the song in Psalms from uh, number 118. Stop all this. And Jesus replied to them. He said, if these would be silent, 
talking about the disciples and all of the crowd that are yelling and shouting and praising and uh, exclaiming his name and adoration and looking for benevolence, save now, save now. If these would be crying, this is Jesus talking. I'm, I, want to, I want you to get this set up. Jesus said to the Pharisees, if these, the disciples, those who are giving praise and adoration and asking for salvation, if these would be cried, the rocks will begin to cry out. Wait a minute, Jesus. You mean to tell me that if you silence the crowd, then dead, lifeless, inanimate objects will respond by praising you? That's exactly what he said. And so he's saying to the Pharisees, I would shut them up, but that's not going to stop the noise. The noise is going to become, uh, start to come from the rocks. The rocks will make noise. I wonder, what would the shout of rocks sound like? That, that had to be an awesome idea to even think that rocks who have no life, who have no voice, who have no blood, who have, what would the shout of rocks sound like? I, I, I don't want to spend any time on that, but I want to talk about what lessons that we have uh, from this. So bear with me for a second. I promise I won't, well, I won't promise, but I don't plan on keeping you much longer. We're almost done. The first thing I want us to see is the disciples' obedience. Jesus said to go and do something strange, but watch this. They didn't do it right away. They actually had a question for Jesus. And when Jesus answered the question, then they were obedient. A couple of things I want to say about this obedience. First of all, disciples should be obedient. If we call ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ, if the Lord says to do something, then guess what? We ought to do it. If you look back in the Old Testament, uh, in 1 Samuel, when Samuel was talking to Saul, he, he asked the question, or he made the statement rather, Obedience is better than sacrifice. I can hear my old pastor saying, Terry Anderson, I can hear him saying that sacrifice makes up for what obedience would have taken care of in the first place. That if you just do what you're told, then you don't have to go and make any sacrifices. But here's the beautiful part of this particular uh, incident or this particular area in scripture where the disciples asked Jesus a question. Jesus did not rebuke them for asking the question. I want to submit to you real quickly as a disciple of Jesus Christ that if you serve a God that you can't ask questions to, then you're not serving a very big God. You have a very small God. Now, this is not in terms of questioning like your judgment is bad or your decision making is poor, but this is, I'm not sure I'm going to ask a question. And I believe that God has the power and the wisdom and the sovereignty to answer the question. Now, we have to be careful here because he may answer it in a manner that's not pleasing to us. But we do serve a God that can handle our questions. But the big moment here is that disciples ought to be obedient to the Lord when he gives instructions. Check this next one out. You have this, this donkey or this cult that's tied up, but Jesus has need of it. I've heard sometimes that preachers say that um, or, or teachers say that this donkey or this cult uh, will represent us, that we need to be loosed and set free um, so that the Lord can use us. I've also heard others uh, say that this donkey or this cult represents resources to where the Lord wants to make use of the resources that we have for his glory. And I want to submit that I agree with both of them. We have stuff in our hands, talents, gifts, resources that are of a benefit to the kingdom of God, but we have them tied up and they're not free for whatever reason. Maybe we're not sure of what to do with them, or maybe we don't even um, know that we have them, or maybe we have a trust issue with the Lord. But if, if, if you want the Lord to get maximum use out of your life, if I want the Lord to get maximum use out of my life, I have to take what's in my hand, 
get it out of my hand and put it in the hand of the Lord so he can get maximum use out of it. When it's in his hands, he has great hands, it's better than Allstate. When it's in his hands, he can get more use out of it than I can. Whatever the resource is, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's your talent, your gift, whatever that resource is, whatever, if it's knowing somebody that knows somebody, that knows somebody, whatever that resource is, get it out of your hands and get it in the hands of Jesus. And guess what? Maybe you're the resource and you're tied up. Maybe God wants to use you, but something in your life has you tangled up in a rope of some sort that has you bound and in some kind of bondage. And let me tell you something, whom the son has set free, he is free indeed. You may be free and don't realize it. But what I want you to do is take yourself as a resource or whatever resources you have and put it in the hands of the master and he can get some use out of it. Check this one out. The laying of coats, I'm, 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 I know I'm going fast, so, so bear with me. Uh, the laying down of coats and the waving of branches is kind of like uh, rolling out the red carpet uh, for a king. And that's exactly who Jesus is. He's a king and, and, and the people there are rolling out the red carpet. When you're waving branches, these palm branches, what they're saying is we already have the victory. We've already won. There's adoration for this incoming king. Not soon come king. He's, he's coming in right now to save and to rule. Uh, but I mentioned earlier that the way that he's going to save is not the way that they think that he's going to save. So he's actually on his way to the cross to save an entire world from their sins because he's going to become the Passover lamb. But they want him to save kind of in a physical sense, but he's coming in to establish a kingdom that's not just on earth, but a, a heavenly kingdom, a different kind of rule. Uh, and, and so the people are, are not quite sure what's going on. They know what the scripture says and they know what the prophecy says and they know what the Psalm says, but what they do get right is how they welcome Jesus in. They roll out the red carpet. Can I ask you a question? With this time that you've had, have you rolled out the red carpet for the king to come in to your life? Uh, maybe you don't know him as your personal savior, so I want to introduce him to you that he is here to save. He died and rose for our sins. But for those of us who are already saved, have you rolled out the red carpet for him to come in and take rule over your life? Welcome him in with praise and with adoration and waving of the proverbial branch, if you will, lay down your coat, lay down that thing that has you covered and come undressed in front of the Lord so he can come in and reign in your life. When he comes in, he will save. When you welcome, in, welcome him in, he will heal. When you welcome him in, he will restore. When you welcome him in, he will renew. When you welcome him in, he will revive and you do so with enthusiasm. And if you choose not to do so with enthusiasm or you choose to hold your adoration and your praise in, if you choose not to welcome him in, guess what will happen? The rocks will cry out. And I can hear Paul Jones saying right now, I don't want no rocks crying out in my place. Woo! That, that got me excited. I tried not to be too preachy because that's what this is, right? Not too preachy. Last thing, and I'm going to uh, leave you alone. And I want to run back to the top. Remember I talked about the timing of this, that Jesus came in during the Passover celebration where everybody was in the city. There was no mistaking of this time. Jesus entrance into the city, his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension all follows through the, uh, the Jewish uh, major feast 
uh, all, all of them is, is, is right on time. It's perfect timing. And Jesus is considerate about the time. You can remember uh, when he turned the water into wine and he told his mom uh, uh, right before he did it, she said, son, go, go, go help these people out. They're running out of, they're running out of wine. And that's kind of embarrassing. And she said, he said, woman, he had a, he called a mama woman, but that's Jesus woman. It's not my time yet. Uh, he would often heal people and tell them, don't tell anybody because he didn't seem like he wanted to out himself yet. But in this particular instance, the time is perfect. The time is right. Don't want to over allegorize this, but I want you to consider something in your life. What are you waiting for? What, what, what has to be right? When is it the right time for you? Right time for what? When is the right time for you to try that new thing you wanted to try with your spouse or your significant other? When is it the right time to, to do something special or create a special experience for your children or for your nephews and your nieces? Uh, when is, a, is it the right time uh, for you to launch that, that business or to write that book or to complete that certification or to finish your diploma or to finish your degree? When is the right time? What, what, what about right now? Because guess what we have? Time. Many of us have more time than ever, especially those of us who are considered non-essential to be in buildings, in a physical building to work. You have time. As a matter of fact, you've always had time. We just haven't managed it and steward our time well, but we have more time now many of us that we've ever had. So what's stopping you? Can I tell you what's stopping you? Nothing. Nothing is stopping you. It's actually us. It's the man or the woman in the mirror that's stopping us. Guess what time it is? It is the right time. But when it hits, many of us freeze up uh, when the opportunities, because we're still waiting for the right time or the right circumstance or the right thing to fall in place. I remember talking to a, a, a brother of mine, Brother Phil, over at Harvest Point, and we were talking about this idea, the podcast and the Facebook Live. And he said, when are you going to do it? I said, I'm waiting on one particular thing to happen, uh, one piece of information, one image uh, for it to come in so I can market it well. He said, why are you waiting? The time is now. Do it now. There's no reason to wait. And the next day, that thing that I was waiting for came on in and the timing was right. Guess, guess what I have now? Time to do this. And it happened at the right time because guess where we are now? Many of us are spending so much time in social media that I get to speak with you on the podcast and on the Facebook Live and all of these mediums. The time is now, not just for me, but the time is now for you. It's time for you to get on your resources, that's your code, and ride in. But bigger than you, your business, bigger than your wife, bigger than your children, bigger than your nieces, bigger than spending time with your parents, the time is right to renew and restore your relationship with the Lord. And how is that done? It's very simple. Dedicate yourself to spending time in scripture and in prayer. Read what he said and talk to him about it. We, we, we have so many troubles and so many concerns, and yet we have not taken them to the Lord in prayer. And then some people will say, well, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that. And that may be true, but did he say it in his word? And the way we get closer to the Lord is seeing what he said and then talking about him or talking to him about what he's saying in general 
and in our lives. The time is now to do what's most important, and that's to draw nearer, nearer to the Lord. I got two words for you tonight. Perfect timing. Those two words. Perfect timing. I know y'all see I'm trying to get my production assistant to get back engaged. So that's all we have. Uh, next week, um, we're going to go ahead and get to Good Friday. Come on, because we're about to stop the lie. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and get to Good Friday. Sorry, podcast. We're going to get to Good Friday. Not yet. Not yet. Um, so tune in next week because it's going to be exciting. And this is the time uh, for me where I'm actually very, very excited. But until next time, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. And please watch out for flying cockroaches. Those things are aggressive. Peace. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Whoa. You just stop it. There we go. All right, cool. Thank you.